0: word of the Lord from Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in, the way in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ In Christ Jesus.
1: Good morning. Let me just give thanks. Father, thank you for the joy of life together in you. And thank you for your word. May it penetrate our hearts, I pray. And we come this morning to say we love you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name. Amen. My mother died once. She was on the operating table, and she flatlined for probably about a good minute, and they performed CPR on her. And my father and brother uh, waited out in the waiting room and for the surgery, uh, waiting to hear the news of how the surgery went. But the truth was that she had died. And they resuscitated her back to life. Many of us have been in that waiting room, haven't we? Waiting to hear the news. Waiting to find out what the outcome is of the surgery or of all the physical tests that we've gone through. Always seems the doctor's out of town to get back to us, isn't he? And we want to know what is going on with us. We want to know what is happening with our bodies. We just want to hear. And so in Ephesians 2, Dr. Paul walks in. And he has somewhat of a downcast face. And he tells the news. It's news that we don't want to hear, it's news that grips our heart. And Paul speaks out and says, you were dead. He says your condition is fatal without the love of Jesus Christ. You really want to know what's going on? You were dead. Here's what's going on with your life. Here's what is going on with this journey of yours from the time you were born. And he's reminding the Ephesians and he's reminding us that this is your condition, your human condition, without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You were dead. He uses the term in the Greek for a corpse. The truth about who you are and who you were without Christ is you were a corpse. I want you to even have that image in your mind for a minute. A corpse is is devoid of life, there's no power in a corpse. Many of us saw that old movie, Weekend at Bernie's, where they tried to move around Bernie, who was dead. And the college students tried to move his body, but it was powerless. Bernie had died. A corpse is starting to corrupt and decay. The body starts to deteriorate. This is life without God. Paul obviously is not speaking about physical death. He is speaking about spiritual death. We all know that we are spiritual people. We are people who are created in the image of God. We are so much more than just this flesh and bone that's in front of us. And each and every one of us knows that we're spiritual people when we walk down that aisle to an open casket, and we look in at someone that we love, and we see their body, and we go, that's... That's not the person I know. Why? Because their spirit. And their spirit has left. And all we see is this corrupt, broken body, this flesh and bone. Many of us have experienced that. When I was 16 years old, the first time I experienced death, really, a good friend of mine named Ron Bromuler. We were uh, on the golf team, we were terrible golfers, we were the football players that the coach dragged along from football into playing golf, and we spent a whole Friday afternoon, just he and I, out on Half Moon Bay Golf Links, and we had a great day. Lots of fun and laughter, and we were good buds. The next day, he went with some of my other buddies, and they went to party a little bit, I just happened not to be along with him. And Ron was driving, and he wasn't driving too fast, but in Half Moon Bay there's a lot of dirt roads. And he was looking back at his buddies, and they were goofing off. And he ran into a telephone pole, and because his neck was turned this way, he snapped his neck and he died, 16 years old. And so I went and I looked at his body. Something I knew about Ron was that he didn't have any relationship with Jesus Christ. started to convict me about people knowing about the love of Jesus. Because we all will die, but I pray that we will not die a spiritual death, but that we have a spiritual resurrection because of Jesus Christ. And Paul is trying to say, without Jesus Christ, you were dead and if you're in that place right now and you do not have a relationship with jesus christ what god is saying is that you're spiritually dead you will not have relationship with him in eternity you will be separated with him forever we are spiritual people and so many people today say well wait a second i'm enjoying life i'm i'm living it up i'm living large things are good What are you talking about, Rod? I'm not dead. My life is going well. you have friends who tell you that? Well, like my father used to always say, just because you're breathing doesn't mean you're living. Just because you're breathing does not mean that you are living. And what Paul wants us to know is that you have life. You were dead and you can have life. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you are dead now, but you can have life. It's not what we think in our humanity. It's what God tells us. Remember Genesis 2? And the Lord God commanded man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, what's the outcome? You shall surely die. And that is a spiritual death. You will be separated from a holy God. And that means spiritual death. And what Paul is trying to get to us is to remind us of who we are in Christ. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death has spread to all men, because all have sinned. Because of the fall of Adam in the garden, it has gone out to all of us, and now we all stand in the line of Adam without Christ. We all have been separated out because of Adam. One man's sin, choice, has come and affected all of us. It's like being on a football team, isn't it? There's a penalty against one guy. Affects the whole team, doesn't it? When you're out of practice, one guy messes up. Guess what? Whole team runs. Consequence for everybody. Through one man, all have sinned. And we're separated out. The question is, Dr. Paul, what killed me? What is it that led me to this place of spiritual death? How did I end up in this coffin? And Paul says it was the transgression tobacco that got you. Transgressions are sins that that separate us from a holy God. We're not even attempting to to go against God. But because of our broken humanity, we are. It literally means that we, that we stumble, that we misstep, that we're walking, we think we have a firm foundation, and, and we trip along the way. We're, we're, we're going a certain direction, and we fall. I used to uh, do security for uh, concerts at... Boise State uh, Pavilion. You know, one look at me and you go, security guard, right? I mean, come on. (laughs) They called me in for a heavy assignment. It was Michael W. Smith. And they knew those Christians get a little crazy. And uh, luckily I had my buddy Greg Alexander right next to me. (laughs) But at this one concert, it was Michael W. Smith was the headline. And then D.C. Talk, before they were super popular, was the opening act. And Toby Mac uh, was going to do a special deal with the audience and one of the roadies came up to me and said, listen, I need you. What's going to happen? Toby Mac's going to he's going to go off the stage he's going to come singing into the audience and then what I need you to do, Mr. Richie is, here's the stage I need, you to, I need you to put your leg down get on one knee. So when Toby Mac comes, he's going to jump off your knee and onto the stage. I said, "No problem." So he goes and does his deal, and I'm, I'm firmly planted here. I'm waiting for him to come, And he comes running, and he's jumping this way. He hits my leg, my leg buckles and collapses. And literally Toby Mack goes stumbling onto the stage. My claim to fame. I touched Toby Mac. And then, and then the sin came out. That look of death at me. That was a transgression. It was a real... And then sin was the other thing. It's a stumbling. We can't help it without Christ. And that's what he's saying. What killed you? You can't stop stumbling. I have away, and I am a holy God, and even though you keep trying, even to set your foot in the right direction, you can't. You're powerless, you're a corpse to do so. And when we stumble, we hurt others, we hurt ourselves, don't we? Scriptures say of those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that they're walking in darkness without the light of the world. You know, I always tell people this, and it's something that I want you guys to hold on to. I can't figure out why we, as followers of Jesus Christ, why we always expect those who have no relationship with Jesus, why we expect them or anticipate that they would walk in righteousness, why we would expect them not to keep running into walls and to keep stumbling and to keep sinning, when they have no resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And so, may the Spirit work on you if we are being the judgmental ones to those who need to know the love of Christ. And would you stop expecting them to live godly? Because they're not. And they can't. We're dead. We're corpses. We're powerless. And we stumble. And we are dead because of our transgression and we are dead because of sin stroke, rebellion. Sin, the other word used for what led to our death, is that we, we lived in such a way that we just said to God, thank you for sharing, but I don't care. And not only that, I'm going to go the opposite direction. It's like any child who rebels against his parents. You could probably think of all the lies that you told your parents. And for some reason, we thought we'd get away with it. When they told us directly not to do something, and we said, I'm going to do it anyway. Transgression and sin have led to our death. And these sins worm their way into our lives. They corrupt us more. The the decay gets worse. We don't even recognize our own stink. It affects us that much without Christ. What put you in that coffin? Transgression and sins. And those sins become a lifestyle of disobedience, don't they? And it's amazing how the sins that used to horrify us seem to have no effect on us anymore. They don't seem to bother us very much, and our moral compass is is all messed up. I, I find it absolutely amazing that the Real Housewives of New Jersey is the number one show. And all it is is these catty women who literally curse at each other and literally punch each other, and everybody's eating it up. It doesn't horrify them at all. And then when they come on the talk shows, it's like, well, yeah, we just didn't get along very well. and Everybody laughs it up. And they keep playing the the fight scene. That's what sin does. It corrupts us. We decay more and more. We lose our moral compass, rebel against God. What killed me, Doc? Well, your transgressions and your sins, and apart from Christ, if you have not received his son as Lord and Savior, we're dead. And the things that contributed to your death, verse 2 teaches us, is that you followed the ways of this age or of this world, the philosophies of this, this pattern of the world. You followed that. Philosophies such as myself is number one. Greed, I need it all. Daddy, I want that golden egg. What else contributed to your death? You followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That is the devil. We, we cannot forget that we have an enemy. For some reason, we do. There's an enemy out there who is pictured as a prowling lion who wants to destroy us. And what the enemy is really good at is leading us to a place that says the truth is a lie, and the lie is truth, and he's the great deceiver, isn't he? That fetus is not a child. Get rid of it. One of the greatest lies of all humanity. When God is the creator of life. And God sustains life. You followed. You were stuck. You were enslaved. You you were enslaved to the ways of the world, the age of the world. You You couldn't get out of this kingdom of the air deceiving you. And then the flesh got a hold of you, gratifying the cravings of the flesh. It's not just not just our sexuality, it's everything that, that goes beyond what God had given and takes it to the extreme because what the flesh needs is what the flesh is going to get. It's, it's all the excess. It's five-guy burgers every day <laughs> with fries. I love those five-guy burgers. <laughs> but he's saying you, you're, you were stuck in just living to... to satisfying the flesh, and it was leading to your death. And that led to a place where each and every one of us, without God, without Jesus as Lord and Savior, we were objects of wrath. I don't want you to have the picture of God as the angry Oz, or as a referee on the sideline can't wait to throw the yellow flag at you. It's the outcome of our broken humanity and our human condition that without Christ, there must be just judgment. Holy God cannot have us in our brokenness without the Savior intervening stand before Him in righteousness. And so wrath is just judgment. God again isn't up there as an angry God. Some of us have that image of angry God. He's not angry. This whole Bible is his love story to us. And there is judgment, but it's all surrounded with, will you come to know me? Will you be in relationship with me? I want you to be my child. Holy God, the wages of sin is death, and without him, We are in that coffin still. And so you read these first three verses, and you go, well, doctor, that's bad news. And I don't really appreciate that you shared that with me. I don't like the outcome of what you're telling me. Pretty depressing. You're kind of a bummer, doc. But we're not left there. And this is the joy of Ephesians that the Lord gives us through Paul, that there is good news. And two words that change everything about our human condition. And it starts in verse 4, and this is the New American Standard. The NIV translates it a little differently. But the New American Standard starts out with this. Two words. You were dead... Verse 4 now says, But God, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he has made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace, you have been saved. And so Paul takes us out of the gloom of the cemetery And he moves us right into the maternity ward and right into the delivery room where the cry of a newborn babe signals that there is new life. It's backwards, isn't it? You were dead, but now you are alive with Christ as you have come to know him as your Lord and Savior. That's the good news. You were dead. You're alive today. Do you know that? Do you know that in your soul? What Paul is trying to create and to illustrate is that you come before Holy God and on a day like today we can come and we can give praise to our Holy God and say, thank you, Lord, that you took me from this coffin and you brought me into this delivery room and I cry out my first breath of life. That's the good news. And so let us live now in the power of the Spirit alive and in Christ, even when we don't feel like it sometimes. But God, but God did this work who is rich in mercy. He has made us alive. It's this amazing spiritual contrast. It's like like a beautiful diamond. How do you display that? You, You lay it on black velvet, don't you? and you show that incredible contrast of this incredible diamond that glistens and glows and is is vibrant and brilliant in the sunlight against the black. That's the image he's saying. Do you see the spiritual difference? You were that black once, and now you are this diamond that is alive the contrast, the change. Scriptures say you're a new creation in Christ, changed from within. But God demonstrates His love for us that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And what's the motivation of God? Why bother? We kicked against you, God. We could care less. We wanted nothing to do with you. Why are you wasting all your time Well, because of his incredible love. Remember, God's not up there. I can't believe you. He's up there. Would you come to know me and get out of that coffin and have life? And because of his incredible mercy, it's the character of God. It's mercy upon us. We deserved hell. But He provided a way. Grace and mercy go together, don't they? They're they're two sides of the same coin. But mercy really means is that the Lord saw our misery in our corruption of sin. He saw how sin was destroying us. He saw how it was defeating us. And He had compassion for the miserable condition of our sin. And so mercy arose. Any parent understands that, don't they? I know many of you who had children who have rebelled against you strongly. And in their rebellion, they sinned greatly. And in their sin, there was consequence for sin. And your heart grieved over the consequence and as a loving parent like any parent you wanted to pull them out of that misery do you see the heart of God sin destroys sin corrupts I want to deliver you from that and he does to those who will receive his love Our struggle and the enslavement to sin awakens his love, his great mercy. You see, we were stuck in this incredible pit, literally of hell, separated from God. And yet God so loved the world that he gave his son, that those who would believe upon him should not perish, but would be saved, would have life. All of us, along with the rest of the world, watched in awe as these miners in Chile were pulled up one by one. I couldn't get away from the TV. As I watched these lives pulled out of the depths, 2,300 feet down, these cavernous mines There was no way to get out. And then the first small hole went through with a camera and a little chute to send down some water and some morsels of food. And do you remember that first image when the camera came through and you just saw the eyes? And there was some life down there. You know what? They were breathing. But they were not living. They were caught in the depths, as all the papers said. They said it was hell. And that's who we all are. We're Chilean miners without Christ. We're stuck down there. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to understand. And then now to live out in our lives. And then months later, there's a drilling one bigger and bigger to create that shaft, it started to go down, and it broke through. What did these miners do to get out from the depths? What did they do? Nothing. They couldn't. 2,300 feet down, what can you do? Start taking a spoon? You can't do a thing They were trapped, and they could not get out. All that they could do is when that capsule came down, all that they could do was to be placed in to that Phoenix capsule, enveloped in, and be raised up 2,300 feet as the phoenix capsule delivered them to the surface. That's actually called the Jesus capsule. It is. We are placed in Christ, and he's done all the work. And all we do is step in to his life, and we are raised up with Christ. Our salvation is because of Him alone. Our relationship with Him. Our connection with Him. Look at verse 5. God made us alive with Christ. Verse 6. God raised us up with Christ. God has seated us with Him. And I love that imagery. We are placed at the banquet table, the royal court with Jesus Christ. Remember, we are heirs. We are children of God. We are adopted in. We have all the rights and privileges as that of Jesus Christ. We are not God, and we know that. But he says you're an adopted child. And so we are raised up and seated with him. And what Paul means in all of this is these are present realities today about our spiritual life. In our aliveness, this is what is true. And Paul means that we are totally identified with Jesus Christ. We are identified in his death. We are identified in his resurrection. We are identified in his ascension. And we are identified and present in his present position in heaven. That is who we are now, this very moment, in our spirit, in all that is and of eternity, in our spiritual lives. You are raised up with Christ and seated with him. That's the good news, because you were in that coffin before without Jesus. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Without me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me, your life source, you will be alive you will bear much fruit. And Paul brings us to this place. God has done it all for us. He has made us alive. He has raised us up with Christ, resurrected with him. He has seated us with him. We were dead, but this very day we are alive. Do you know that? And so now we live out the life of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20. I no longer live, but Christ who's living through me. I really want you to think this morning and this week. There's a lot of people around us who are breathing, but they are not living. Who is God stirring in your heart to go and to bring the good news to Because without Christ, they will be just like my friend Ron Bromuler, who I really had a good friendship with, laying in that casket. And again, God's the ultimate judge. I know that. But there was no indication that he knew Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Me. And the good news is, my son came on the cross for you so that you might come alive and have life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your good word. And Father, thank you for your reminder of our condition without you. That we need you, Lord Jesus, as our Lord and Savior. And Father, if you're stirring in any hearts this morning, I pray right now that you would draw these individuals to you. And dear friends out there, if you don't know Jesus this morning, all you have to say is, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart and to be Lord and Savior. I surrender Jesus to you. I don't want to be in that coffin, Jesus. And so, Lord Jesus, I invite you now, this very moment, to come and to transform my life. Change me, Father. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me life this day. I receive your love, Jesus. Thank you that I am a child of yours. Amen.